Hello, ladies. Welcome. We are in the last week of our Exodus study. And for those of you that have followed along, you know that last week was actually the last teaching. Um, but today we're going to do just kind of a debrief of the whole book of Exodus. So if you've been with us from the beginning, um, I hope that some of this jogs your memory of the things the Lord taught you in the beginning. And you know what? If you're new, if you just jumped into our Zoom groups, I hope that you would be encouraged for all with all the Lord's done in our time together in the book of Exodus. We have had two different studies, uh, 10 weeks each. The first one is This Is Our God, and the second one is Lessons from the Wilderness. And so what I want to do today is I want to go back and spend some time highlighting the things that the Lord taught us. And I don't know about you, people have asked me in quarantine, they've said things like, hey, Coley, how was your weekend? And I literally like forget like, oh, do we do we just have a weekend? What's a weekend? All my days are blending together. And so I don't know if you're anything like me. I need to intentionally go back and remember. If someone asked me, Coley, what did you learn in the first Exodus study? I have no idea. I had to go back and look. And so I'm hoping that by doing this today, this causes a stir in us to remember all the Lord has taught us. And to close out our Exodus series, I just want to spend some time remembering together. So Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to review the first book, uh, This Is Our God, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about lessons in the wilderness. But this is kind of how I view our Exodus study, kind of a mountain. Um, and in the first series, we're learning who God is. This is our God. And we're learning more and more and more about his character and who he is. And we're creating this reverence for who our Father is, our God. And then there's this climax in the middle. Since we now see God for who he truly is, there is this, ref this response, this reaction to his greatness. And it's the lessons we learn of walking deeper and deeper with Jesus, looking more and more like him. So I kind of see our study as a mountain experience. We go up, we learn about the Lord, we meet him, and that suddenly impacts who we are and we, what we do why we do what we do. And then we go down and we learn in discipleship with him. So today I just want to highlight uh, some of the lessons that we learned. And I hope that it kind of just stirs your heart for the things that the Lord was doing in you. Um, so I'm going to start us off. What I'm going to do is I'm literally just going to walk through each lesson and remind us of one or two points that we learned. So it's going to be a quick little rapid fire. Uh, if you're taking notes, it doesn't hurt. And if you missed any of these talks, it might be worth going back and reviewing them in the summer because some of these talks are golden. When I was going back, I remembered how much the Lord had taught me through this. So um, that's kind of where we're headed today. So I want to start, the first lesson we did is where is God? That was your first week of this is our God. And really what happened is we go on the scene. Um, Israel has been oppressed now for 400 years and Pharaoh orders that all the baby boys are killed. And you, it's one of those moments in life where you show up and you're like, wait, where is God? Has he forgotten us? Has he abandoned us? Why would he let bad things happen? And there's two points that we learned in this lesson. The first is God shows up in the least likely people, places, and things. If you remember, there was two midwives who were named by name, Shipra and Pua. They're the two midwives who were at the bottom of the Israelite totem pole on the social scale. They would have been the lowest of the low, and they are named in the Bible because they were not afraid of the king's edict. And so what they did is they let Hebrew women birth their baby boys because they feared God. God uses the least likely people, places, and things uh, to bring about his purpose. And that might be you, and that might be I. Uh, I remember being so encouraged when Cheryl taught that message of thinking God can use anybody. 
anybody, even me, to bring about his glory and his power. So that's the first thing we learn. And the second thing is God shows up in his time for his glory. So when we're in a circumstance that feels out of our control, like we don't know what's going on, where is he, we don't see God, you can trust that God is working behind the scenes to bring about his glory. For 400 years, the Israelites were enslaved and what God was doing is he was building a plan to deliver them and to make a name for himself and to establish his people. So God shows up in the least likely places and things and he shows up on time for his glory. The second week we talked about how God shows up. And if you'll remember, when Moses was 80 years old, he was a shepherd in his father-in-law's house. He had killed a man, a Hebrew man, and he fled for his life because Pharaoh was after him. So he was just tending sheep, living with his father-in-law, and God appeared to him in a burning bush. And so we learned a few things about God. We learned that God's holiness is everything. It's all consuming and it's meant for you and I to be in awe of who he is. The second thing we learned is God promises he will be with us and that's our qualification. He tells Moses, he says, okay, I'm here. I'm revealing myself to you. I want you to go back and lead my people out. And Moses says, who am I to do that? And the, the thing the Lord tells him, he says, I will be with you. This fire, this power, this is what's going with you. He reveals himself to Moses before the call. And the last thing we learn is you and I have the opportunity to listen for God's holiness. All Moses had to do was turn and see that the bush was on fire and he encountered God. And the same is true for us. We can be looking and listening for God's holiness because God's holiness is what makes us whole. And then we jump to the third week. Oh, I love this, ver this one too. God has a name. This is when God reveals to us who he is. Um, and I'm gonna try to find it for us. I have my Bible on my phone um, because I have all the passages marked. So you can understand why I would do the phone version. Um, but God is basically, he's revealing himself to the Israelites and he, okay, I gotta find the exact verse because I don't wanna miss it. He's talking to Moses and Moses says to him, God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14, Exodus 3. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And as we studied that week, the name of I am is Yahweh. God has a name. And so what we learned is God longs to be known. A name is what identifies you with somebody else. And God revealed his name, his personal name, Yahweh, to Moses. And what else we learned in that section is God defines us. We don't define him. God is who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And based on his never-ending definition, you and I define ourselves based on his sovereignty. And the third thing we learned is that God's name is the only name that's saved. There is power in the name of Jesus. And if you haven't experienced this, I pray that this week you do. So we learn that God has a name. And then we jump to week four um, on hearing from God. And Cheryl, I love the talk she gave. She gave four shifts we need to make uh, in order to hear God. So I want to recap them for you. One, we need to be 
instead of being unknown to God, we need to shift to being known by God. Moses came before the Lord and he was called to leadership. And Moses laid out all of his vulnerabilities. He says, I have a speech impediment. I can't talk. I don't want to go. He let himself be known by the Lord. And the Lord said, don't worry. I'll take care of you. I'll send Aaron with you. Um, Another shift we need to make is not knowing Jesus to knowing him. You and I have access to know Jesus, and that's something we don't want to miss. All of our power is in knowing Jesus. Uh, The third shift we can make is assuming that we can't hear God to believing that we can hear God. Moses talks with the Lord and hears his voice and chooses by faith to walk it out. You and I can believe today that you and I have the Holy Spirit inside of us so we can hear the voice of God and we can choose to live by faith. And the last heart shift. Actually, there's two I want to capitalize on. One, following my gut to following Jesus. There's a difference between just following whatever we feel and to follow the truth and the word that's found in scriptures based on what Jesus Christ has called us to. And the last one is we can shift from being anxious and afraid to secure in Christ. He is established on the throne. We are his children and he is for us. So we no longer need to live in a world of anxiety and fear where we're controlled by everything around us. Instead, we can focus on the steadiness of Jesus Christ. Uh, Then we jump to week five, when life gets harder, not better. This is when Pharaoh recognizes that the Israelites are slacking, and so he tells all of his crew, he says, don't help them. Make them get their own straw, and they still need to produce the same amount of work every week. So the Israelites are here. Moses has showed up. People think things are going to get better, and suddenly life gets harder. And what we learn about God in those situations, which If you're human, you've been through one of those seasons before and that today might actually be one of those seasons. We learn out of this that God uses suffering for our good. He is the only one that can redeem bad things that have happened to us for our good. God uses everything for our good. That's the first thing we learn. And the second thing is God's worth it because he's worthy. He's worth waiting for. He's worth being praised even in the hard circumstances because he's the only one that can prove himself worthy. As the Israelites suffered more, God was going behind the scenes to plan an attack against Pharaoh, ultimately to set them free. So no matter where you and I are today, no matter what circumstances you're in, you and I can trust God is worthy to deliver us. If he sent his one and only son Jesus for us, what else would he not send to deliver us from our pain? And the sixth thing, uh, this is the God versus Pharaoh lesson, where God starts to challenge Pharaoh. And there is a verse, it's Exodus uh, 5, 2. I'm going to find it for us. There is this verse where um, Pharaoh challenges whether or not he should believe God. It's uh, verse 5, 2. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. God has a showdown with Pharaoh. And what we learn in this time is that there's only one true God. Basically, we see these 10 plagues coming, and what God's doing is he's bringing judgment against each of the gods of, of Pharaoh's land. He's God versus Pharaoh, God saying, this is going to be a showdown, and I'm going to win. I'm going to prove again and again and again that I am the only true God, and everything else you worship is false. They cannot overcome me. So we learn that God's the only true God. We also learn that idols can't save us. Uh, We all live in a society of idols, whether your idol is security, comfort, your family, happiness, money, whatever it is, 
our idols, we think they look so different than the Israelites. We're like, we don't own golden calves. Instead, we own really fancy cars and houses and put all of our hope in portfolios and stockpiles. We all have idols. Idols are things that we put above the Lord. They just look different. So what we learn in this, God versus Pharaoh or God versus the world, is that God is the only true God and nothing else can save us. And the last lesson we learned that week is God divides and calls out his people. So when the last plague comes, the Lord separates them. He says, I will not inflict this on you. And all the while, when all the plagues are happening, they're happening to Pharaoh and the community there. God spares his people. He's drawing a line between who his people are and who the rest of the world is, those that serve and worship Pharaoh. God makes a line of distinction. So God versus Pharaoh, God's always gonna win. Uh, verse, oh, Siri likes that one. <laughs> She's for us, God. She hears you. She said, amen. Um, number seven is a disturbing night. This is the night that the Lord issues the decree that all the firstborn in the land will be killed unless the families put a um, the blood of a lamb on the posts of their doorstep. This is the Passover. So what we learn about God in the disturbing night is that there is only one God. Only this God can choose between life and death and can inflict death and also choose to pass over his people. We see the sovereignty and the power of God in this. And the second thing we learn on this is God delivers his people. God is for his people and he makes a way for them to be spared. And he did that for you and I through the blood of Jesus. And in, in Egypt, he did that for his people by the covering of their doorposts with the blood of a lamb. He covers and delivers his people, those who choose to believe in him and trust him for their salvation. Uh, week eight, we're just cruising. I hope you're like, woohoo, I'm getting all fired up by all the things we're learning. Week eight is that God leads us. This is when God leads the Israelites out of captivity. 400 years they've been stuck in Egypt and God starts, Pharaoh finally says, let my people go and they leave for the first time. And the things we learn in that lesson are, we all have an Egypt. There are places that you and I find ourselves stuck in. And it, whether it's to bondage, uh, to people, to places or things, no matter what it is, we all have our Egypt and God longs to lead you and I out. Just like he did for the Israelites, he fought Pharaoh, battled for them and delivered them out. God is doing the same for you and I today. So I don't know the Egypt you find yourself in, whatever you're stuck in, God longs to lead you out. Lean into that. Ask him how you can get out of your own Egypt. Uh, and the other thing that we learn is God leads us out because it's his desire. He is for his people. God doesn't want to see the Israelites enslaved. God does not want to see you and I enslaved. He desires to deliver us to the course, the best plan that he has for you in my life. Uh, week number nine is God is fighting for you. This is when God leads them out and he parts the sea. Right when the Israelites thought that they were done, they were entrapped on this little island, or this little peninsula, I should say, and the Red Sea was all around them, and they saw Pharaoh's army coming, God delivers them. And there's a passage in here. Um, I'm sure you've known. There's some famous Exodus passages in here. This one is Exodus 14, 14. It's one of my favorites. It's kind of the one that I tattooed on my heart um, in this last season. So I just want to read it over you today, but it's, this is a reminder that the Lord fights for us. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. 
It's like that's a word for somebody today. The Lord fights for Israel, and right when they think they're gonna be overtaken, the Lord parts the sea, they cross, and they watch all of their enemies dissipate. The Lord will fight for you and I. We need only to be still. Oh, in that we learn that God has a plan and he makes a way for us. When we think there's no way, God does the unthinkable and will part the seas. And your and my journey might not be through the Red Sea, but he can bring about repentance, forgiveness. He can set us in new directions that you and I could have never led ourselves. God is a way maker and he makes a way. We need to only be still because he's fighting for us. And the last lesson we learned is this is our God. We hear the song of Miriam and Mosin praising God for who he is. Once they part the sea, they come to the other side and the Israelites have this time of just worshiping God. And we basically learn that we were created to worship. There is one true God and we were created to be filled with awe and wonder of him. And so I wonder, uh, before we jump to the next section, what are you in awe of that God's done? What sea have you crossed, so to speak, that you look back and you think, I have no idea how I made it, but I'm here and I'm here by the grace of God. In this pandemic, I've been doing a lot of reflection back, thinking of all the things the Lord has walked me through, and I feel the Lord walking with me in this season, saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm gonna, f- I'm gonna be for you, I'm gonna protect you, just continue to walk in my footsteps. And our response to that is we praise him. So that was like a, what, 10 minute recap of all that we learned in This Is Our God. Um, so at the end of it, we learned this is who our God is. And there's a quote that I love by A.W. Tozer. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So this study of who God is, really is about you and I knowing him so that we can know ourselves. Um, And now I want to move on to the second section, lessons in the wilderness. This is the session we just finished. For those of you who are jumping in Zoom groups, you ended in the second half of the lesson. Uh, But I want to just do a brief, not as in-depth as the first one, but a brief recap. Um, But when I was preparing for this, I had this, I remember this story. (laughs) I am not a hiker. A lot of people look at me and think, oh, Coley, you're so adventurous. But I just want to clarify that active and adventurous are very different things. Like you want to put me, you want to carry me up in an airplane and allow me to fall. That sounds fun. I'm game for that. You want me to go on a hike and like work and move my body? That's a lot less appealing to me. And so my friend and I, when we were backpacking through South America, uh, she's a huge hiker. She wanted to go hiking. She was all excited about it. And you know, I'm like a good friend. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go on one of those big hikes with you. So the morning of, we were getting ready to go on the big hike. And I'm already kind of dreading it because again, adventurous, not active. I'm thinking through how much work this hike is going to be. And so we're in our little hostel room in the morning and we're packing for the hike. And again, not a hiker. I don't know what goes in the bag. So we're sitting in our room and I'm like, okay, what do I need to bring today? And she's like, okay, this is great. Let's go through the checklist. And I'm like, oh, there's a checklist. Okay. I don't know if I can commit to this, but I'm like, okay, sounds good. Just tell me and I'll put it in. So she's like, okay, start off water. I put in a little water and she's like, oh no, you're going to need a lot more. We're hiking all day. So I put a few more bottles in and she's like, okay, that should be good. And I'm thinking, I'm like, this is a lot. I have to carry this on my back. Go to the next one. I'm like, okay, what's next? And she's like, flashlight. And I'm like, wait, are we hiking at night? And she's like, well, you just, you never know if it's going to get dark or if we're going to, you know, need light for something. So pack a flashlight. So I'm like, okay, fine, flashlight. Next up, she's like, bug spray. And I, I pause and I'm like, will there be bugs? 
and she says, you never know what you're going to encounter. We want to bring it just to be safe. So I'm already, like, I am building this argument, and for all the reasons I don't hike, and she's hitting every single one of them. But, you know, I'm following her orders, so I put it in. The next thing, she's like, sunscreen. I'm like, are we, are we going to get burned? And she's like, well, there's elevation. You never know the reflection. Put it in. All right. And then she's like, snacks. Okay, I put in a lot of snacks. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. We keep going on and on, and she's, you know, windbreaker, add this. And all I can think is like, oh my gosh, this bag is going to be so heavy to carry. I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, but because I was a good friend and because, you know, when in Rome, when you're in South America and there's volcanoes to hike, you hike them. We went and we started off that day and wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know that almost everything that we had packed, we used. At one point we went through a trail of bugs, sprayed, could continue walking in peace. At one point when we were at the highest elevation, the sun was out, sunscreen, we didn't get burned. All through the journey, I drank the water and when we got to the top, you guys, when we got to the top, the view that we saw was breathtaking taking. It was life changing. And we sat up there and we enjoyed our snacks. Why am I telling you about my hiking experience? I think sometimes when you and I think about lessons, uh, things that we're supposed to do, things that we have to do, we have this mentality that I had with the backpack of like, oh, why do we have to do it? It's so much work. This is silly. I don't even want to do this. But really, God gives us lessons to give us the best journey possible, to bring us to these places that the view is so phenomenal you don't want to miss. God has good in store for you and I. And so the second part of the series, the lessons from the wilderness, I don't want us to think about these things as like, oh, we're Christians and we have to do all this hard stuff. That's how I felt about the backpack. Like, oh, we have to bring water. Oh, we have to bring bugs for a flashlight. I was just complaining and grumbling. But really, to enjoy the hike, to live it to the fullest of its experience, I needed all those things on the list. And so as I hiked, it was the most pleasant experience that I could have had. I can't imagine not having sunscreen with that altitude. I can't imagine having to walk through bug patches without spray. Everything the Lord gives us is for our goodness. So I just want to highlight for you the 10, the 10 things we reviewed um, in this series, Lessened in the Wilderness. And I want to encourage you to see this as God equipping you for your best life. It might seem weighty. It might seem heavy. It might seem like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. But I'm going to tell you from experience, doing and living in these truths is is so with that, so it goes well for you. This is for your best life. And so I just want to highlight um, briefly the 10 lessons we went through, and I want to give you kind of their counterpart, why God told us to do them and what happens if we don't. So these are going to be quick. The first one is be grateful. Being grateful keeps us from greed, from jealousy, from lust, from thinking that we deserve something we don't. Grateful postures our heart to be joyful. Second one, ask for help. This keeps us from our savior complex and our self-righteousness, thinking that we can do it all, when really you and I were made for each other. We were made to be in community and depend on the Lord. Asking for help binds us to people. It opens up bridges and doors for people to help us in our time of need, and also it allows us for to help them in their time of need. And also it reflects the relationship we're supposed to have with the Father. You and I can do nothing apart from him. So asking God for help, asking others for help, positions us to do life with other people. The third one, partner with God. Sometimes you and I wanna run our own way. We wanna do our own thing. And if any of you have ever done that, like me, 
you can tell it doesn't go well. Partnering with God allows us to live life to the full. It allows us to not be burnt out. It allows us to experience his glory. It allows us to live in his mission, which gives us a fullness, a fullness and a sense of purpose. So we don't want to miss out on that. The fourth one is obeying God. Um, if you, basically, there's two ways to put this. If we don't obey God, we obey somebody, and the opposite of God is Satan. So we don't want to live a life apart from obedience of God, thinking that we know all the answers, when really the enemy is seeking after our obedience with everything he has. So it's like you choose which one you want to serve today. And when we don't serve God, we're ultimately serving things against God. Obedience to God is our passage of safety. It's our passage of righteousness that when we're on that trail, we're safe and secure in his hands. And so it keeps us from all the evil things that could happen to us uh, if we serve a lesser God. Fifth one, worship God. This keeps us Our worship on God keeps us from worshiping ourselves and the things in this world, objects, people, places. Worship on God is the only thing that ever will fully fill us because we were created to worship him. And when we turn our attention to ourselves or our families, we worship lesser things and it never satisfies us. So worshiping God is this invitation to live fully saturated in the life that we were created to live. The sixth one is be humble. This keeps us from a whole bunch of messes, pride, arrogance, belittling to other people, condemning other people. Living in humility is really just this freedom to be free in your own skin. You don't have to pretend you're better than you are and you don't have to berate yourself and feel awful. Being humble is really just walking open, honestly and authentically, and it's the most free way to live. Number seven, practicing Sabbath. If we actually practice Sabbath, this keeps us from burnout, from being stressed, from being agitated, from feeling like we're always on the go. Sabbath is a gift that when we practice it, some of you have emailed me and said you have practiced it. I love hearing that. It brings about this sense of rest and peace, and it allows us to position ourselves in an unhurried manner. Sabbath is a gift to us. Week eight is living face down. Uh, really, it's just coming humbly before the Lord in circumstances. And really, this keeps us from reacting in anger. It keeps us from burning bridges. It keeps us from being that stubborn, hard-headed person that has to have their way. It allows us to put God first and to bless others around us instead of harming them. Week nine is walk by faith. And this keeps us <laughs> away from living a life of fear, of doubt, of wayward living. When we walk by faith, we're walking towards Jesus and the promise that he's given us. And it can be so much better walking in faith than being stuck in fear and not moving and being stranded on this island where you're paralyzed. Walking by faith allows us to continue forward with the hope and promise that Jesus has given us. And the last one, make disciples. When we don't make disciples, you and I have the tendency to miss the point. We miss the purpose of what God made us for. We miss the fruit and the joy that comes from sharing Jesus with other and experiencing life with him. I think about this church, I think about Christian Assembly and the relationships that women have with each other that I have with you guys or that you guys have with each other and me. That is a gift of discipleship. We're walking in the spirit, trying to learn God's word together, and it's a beautiful community. So when we don't make disciples, we miss all the fellowship, all the goodness of other women's lives with our own. So 
All that to say, this series taught us about who our God is and how we need to live in spite of it. And so what I hope you leave Exodus with, I hope you leave Exodus with this reverence and awe of who God is. And I hope you have this heart that's eager and willing to follow the ways that he's laid out for us because it is the path of life so that it may go well with you. So the two questions I want you to think about in your own hearts, in your journaling time that you can process with your group is based on the Exodus study, whether you started in week one or in week 15, it doesn't matter. Wherever you started, I wanna know what is one thing that you learned about God? What was your biggest takeaway? How did he reveal himself to you? What was a characteristic you hadn't seen in him? How did you experience him? What's one thing you learned about God? And the second one is, what's one lesson you learned from the wilderness that you have been trying to walk out, that you've been trying to live and obey and abide in, and how has it gone for you? So who is God and who are we based on our response to God? How do we live and act? That is the story of Exodus. And just to close on an encouraging note, The story of Exodus is a story of God's redemption. It's when God seeks and finds his people who are enslaved and he pulls them out and saves them. And I want you to be encouraged today that you and I are the exact same as the Israelites. God pursues us in whatever season we're in, in whatever bondage we're in, God pursues us and he seeks us and he longs to deliver us through his son, Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, there is hope for you. There is salvation. There is freedom from your sins. God longs to deliver you by placing Jesus on the cross, his blood covers us so that we can be forgiven for everything we've done. The chains that have enslaved us are broken when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So God is always delivering us from something to something. And I wonder wherever you are in your journey today, what you've been delivered from or what you want to be delivered from and where the Lord is bringing you to. That's my prayer and hope for you is that you would experience this redemptive story that goes all the way back to Exodus, but is still alive and well with us today. We continue to serve a God who delivers us for his name and for his glory. So this is the end of our Exodus Bible study. We want to thank you for journeying with us. But we don't want it to end there. We want to encourage you to be involved in summer book clubs to continue walking together in faith and in community. So um, all the leaders of women's Bible study and life groups, you are going to receive an email from me inviting you to lead a summer book club. Uh, Whenever you get a chance, fill out the form and let me know if you are able to lead this summer, what book you're going to lead and when you're going to lead. And once we have that list of all of our leaders, anybody who wants a book club will be able to check the times in the book people are reading uh, and apply for those groups. So we want to encourage you. uh, There are six weeks book studies. We have three amazing books. I'm going to have Rory show them on the screen. So you can kind of look and be thinking which one sings out to you, which one's calling you in this season. Uh, Each leader gets to pick which book they want and when they're going to do their online summer book club. And you will meet six times throughout the summer to review this book together, to be in God's word and to pray for each other. So don't miss the opportunity to be with with your sisters in Christ this summer uh, by joining book clubs. We love you. We just want to stay connected with you. Um, And this is an easy, simple, and accessible way to do it. So 
Thank you for being part of the Exodus study. Thank you for being part of Summer Book Clubs. I'm gonna pray for us as we go and may you be blessed. Father, I thank you so much for the goodness of your word, Lord. You have taught us so much in the book of Exodus, God. And I pray for each woman that's watching today, Lord, that you would help her to recall the ways that you revealed yourself to her in this season, Lord. Whether it was seven months ago or last week, God, would you help us to remember your goodness and to remember your glory. We thank you so much for who you are. And God, we commit this summer to you. We want to know more about you and learn more about walking in your ways. So would you show us how to do that? God, you are so good and we love you and we praise your name today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you guys for joining. Blessings on you.